I hope you picked up a, a copy of the uh, sermon notes. Christmas is the celebration of when God came to earth, clothed in human flesh. And of course, that took place when the very Son of God, Jesus Christ, was born in Bethlehem's manger. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that first reference there in your sermon notes. The virgin will conceive a child. Of course, that's a reference to the Virgin Mary. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and that Word is referring to Jesus. So in the beginning, uh, the Word, Jesus, already existed. The Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. So the Word, Jesus, became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Why would the eternal God leave heaven's glory to visit planet earth? Well, that is the question we answer in today's message entitled, Why Jesus Came to Earth. So again, please follow along in your sermon notes as we discover four reasons. This is not an exhaustive list, but at least four reasons why Jesus came to earth. First, Jesus came to earth to erase the misconceptions about God. Jesus came to earth to erase the misconceptions about God. One of my favorite stories, and I've used it before in, on other occasions, is about a kindergarten teacher who told everyone in her class to draw a picture of something that was very, very important to them. Where every child finished their drawing except one little boy named Johnny. The teacher asked, Johnny, well, what are you so busy drawing? Well, Johnny didn't even look up. He just kept feverishly drawing his picture. But he said to the teacher, I'm drawing a picture of God. The teacher said, Johnny, no one knows what God looks like. Johnny, without hesitation and great boldness and confidence, said, well, they will when I'm finished. <laughs> now, we laugh at that. Uh, but if we're honest, we all have a tendency to develop at times our own picture of God. And that picture can often be very distorted. Uh, see, some see God as simply as the man upstairs or some impersonal force or a benevolent grandfather. Others see God as a very hard taskmaster that can never be pleased. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, captured the essence of this problem in his fictitious book, uh, The Screwtape Letters. And if you've never read that, I would strongly encourage you to do so. The book is written from the perspective of a senior demon uh, instructing a junior demon on the art of tempting human beings. And let me read just a brief excerpt. He said, the humans, now this is the senior demon speaking to the junior demon, giving him instructions. He says, the humans... Do not start from that di direct perception of God, which we unhappily cannot avoid. 
If you look into your patient's mind when he is praying, if you examine the object to which he is attending, you will find that it is a composite object containing many quite ridiculous ingredients. But whatever the nature of the composite object, you must keep him praying to it, to the thing that he has made, not to the person who made him. For if he ever comes to make the distinction, if he ever consciously directs his prayers, not to what I think thou art, but to what thou knowest thyself to be, our situation is, for the moment, desperate. (laughs) George Buttrick was a, a former university chaplain. And he recalled how many students would uh, come into his office and they would plop down uh, in a chair and they would declare, I don't believe in God. Uh, Buttrick would always come back with this very disarming reply. He would say, sit down and please tell me uh, what kind of God you don't believe in and I probably don't believe in that God either. And then Buttrick would talk about Jesus, the corrective to all misconceptions about God. Jesus, the one and only true picture of God. Jesus said in John chapter 18, verse 37, Actually, I was born and came in this world to testify to the truth. If you want to know the truth about God, study Jesus. Study Jesus. Look to him. There in your notes, John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son is himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. You know, most of us are familiar with the Christmas song entitled, Mary, Did You Know? I mentioned earlier that will be one of the songs Uh, sung tonight, I believe, uh, by uh, our youth choir. My favorite line in that song reads, when you kiss your little baby, what's the next line? You have what? Kissed the face of God. Now listen, beloved, Jesus put a face on God. In Hebrews chapter 1, look at that, those, these verses in your notes. Verses 2 and 3 we read, and now in these final days, God has spoken to us through His Son. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Luke chapter 2 verse 32. Jesus is the light to reveal God to the nations. What does light do? It dispels darkness, and it enables you to see things as they really are. When you are in the dark, you cannot see clearly, and that is when you make mistakes. I heard of a mother whose children were complaining on a hot summer day about uh, mosquitoes and not wanting to wake everyone. She left the lights out, and in the dark, uh, she went into her kid's room and she sprayed insect repellent. Well, the next morning, she discovered to her horror that she had covered her kids 
uh, their bedding and the walls with blue spray paint. (laughs) In the dark, you make mistakes. If you do not know Jesus Christ, you are in the dark about God. You are in the dark about the purpose for your life. You are in the dark about your problems. You are in the dark about the future. How does the Bible describe a person who does not know Jesus? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to this verse. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life of God. And they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Do you want to turn the lights on? Do you want to know what God is really like? Do you want to get to know God personally? Well, it's real simple. Get to know Jesus Christ. Get to know Jesus Christ, who is the light that reveals God. Jesus said, look there in John 14, verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen what? The Father. Jesus not only came to erase the misconceptions about God, but look at that second point. He also came to express the love of God. Jesus came to earth to express the love of God. Now think about this a moment. Prior to the birth of Jesus, the emotion most associated with approaching God was fear. Any contact with God was risky business. Uh, Just read the book of Leviticus that gives worship instructions to uh, the children of God in the Old Covenant. And it sounds like a manual on handling deadly radioactive material. Do not touch the ark or you will die. Do not look inside the ark or you will die. God told Moses, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Matter of fact, the high priest was the only person who had direct access to God's presence in the Old Covenant, and that was only one time a year on the Day of Atonement. And before he went in, you know what they did? They tied a rope around his ankles with bells on it. And you know why? Because one wrong move meant instant death. If they stopped hearing the bells, they would use the rope to drag the corpse out. The book of Hebrews sums up the feelings of God's people under the Old Covenant by saying, they had come to the mountain of God that could not be touched. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. One thing was loud and clear in the Old Covenant. God is holy. Man is a sinner, and there's a great gulf between the two. Now, please do not misunderstand me. That reality did not change in the New Testament. God is holy, man is a sinner, and there's a great gulf between the two. But in the New Covenant, God found a way to relate to you and me that did not involve fear. John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave, gave what? His one and only Son. Why? So that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God became one of us. 
What could be less frightening than a cute, cuddly, newborn baby? But reflect on that for a moment. The creator of all things, the sovereign Lord of the universe, shrank down, 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 so small as to become a fertilized egg in the womb of a very scared teenage girl. And then in a humble manger in Bethlehem, El Shaddai, Almighty God, Jehovah, the great I Am, made his entrance into the world as a little baby. A little baby who could not speak, could not eat solid food, could not control his bladder, who was totally dependent on a young, first-time mother for shelter, food, and love. Now listen, beloved, when Jesus came to earth, he did not come to broaden the immense gulf between God and man, but to bridge it. Jesus made God approachable. Jesus reached out, he touched, and he embraced the unlovable, the lepers, the prostitutes, and the outcasts of society. Jesus demonstrated up close and personal that God loves sinners. God loves you. You matter to God. Augustine, the great theologian, said, by loving the unlovable, you made me lovable. By loving the unlovable, you made me lovable. Look at 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Would you please, just for a moment, personalize those verses. This is how you need to read that. God showed how much he loved me. God showed how much he loved me by sending his one and only son into the world so that I might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that I, not that Andy Merritt loved God, but that he loved me and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away my sin. Amen? You know, at Christmas time, we spend a whole lot of effort trying to find the perfect present Uh, to express the love uh, we feel for the ones we love. Uh, What was God's gift to you? Jesus. He didn't just give you a present. He gave you his presence, himself, to show that he loves you. He came to die for the penalty of your sin and provide a bridge to God. Uh, J.B. Phillips, great Bible teacher. Matter of fact, years ago, uh, we had the wonderful privilege of having here, here at uh, Edgewood Baptist Church written a number of uh, uh, Bible commentaries. He wrote a very interesting uh, fantasy where a, uh, uh, we talked a little bit ago about the screw tape letters of a senior demon instructing a junior demon. In this fantasy that he wrote, it's a senior angel 
uh, showing sort of a junior angel, very young, at the splendors of the universe. And this is how the story reads. As the two of them drew near to the star, he, the, 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 let me just set this up. The, the uh, senior angel had just taken him around a stroll of the universe, showing the magnificent stars and planets and the wonder and the mag, mag, uh, majesty and beauty of God revealed in creation. And then it says, as the two of them drew near to the star, which we call our sun, and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull as a dirty tennis ball to the little angel whose mind was filled with the size and glory of what he had just seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about that one? The little angel listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him, That this planet, small and insignificant, and not overly clean, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me? that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures on that floating ball? I do. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For as strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them to lift them up to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond comprehension. Beloved, the love of God, the love of Jesus is beyond comprehension. Look at Ephesians 3 verses 18 and 19. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. How wide is God's love? Wide enough to be everywhere. You cannot escape it. How long is God's love? Long enough to last forever. How high is God's love? High enough to cover all your sin, all your failure. How deep is God's love? Well, let me answer that this way. Right now, you may have fallen into a deep pit of despair. Could have been brought on by a physical adversity, or maybe an emotional adversity, or maybe some financial crisis, or it could be a marital adversity. You, you may have fallen so deep into that pit of despair, you think there is no way out. But no matter how deep you have fallen, God's love is still deeper. Corey 
and Betsy Tinboom were sisters who were Christians living in the Netherlands during World War II. They hid Jews in their home to protect them from the Nazis. When they were discovered, not only were the Jews taken to the concentration camp, but Corey and Betsy were taken as well. After watching one atrocity after another, Corey told Betsy, this place is the pit of hell. Betsy replied, Corey, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper. When you are falling into a pit of despair, where is God? I'll tell you. He's right there underneath you to catch you. This verse isn't in your notes, but listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and His everlasting arms are under you. I love that. Are under you. Drop into His arms of love. Because God's love is deep enough to handle every hurt, every adversity. God, do you understand this? God will never love you any more than he loves you right now. And he will never love you any less than he loves you right now. Because God's love is not based on who you are or what you've done, but it's based on who he is and what Christ has done for you. And this brings us to the third reason Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to earth to enable us to have a relationship with God. Jesus came to earth to enable us to have a relationship with God. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. God wanted to enlarge his family beyond the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he wanted you to be a part of that family. You see, you were made to last forever. One day your heart is going to stop. But that is not going to be the end of you. You're going to go on forever and ever. You're going to spend much more time on the other side then you are on this side. You may get here 60, 70, 80, 90. Maybe somebody here reached the ripe old age of 100 years on this planet. But you're going to spend trillions and trillions and trillions of years there in eternity. The only question is this. Where will you spend eternity? In heaven, to be loved by God forever, or in hell, to suffer eternal separation and punishment from God. But know this, know this, mark it down well. God's desire is to love you forever in heaven. God's desire is for you to be a part of his family, and he's done everything to make that possible. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 11. So now, 
We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, making us friends of God. Notice the phrase, because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus came into the world to enable you to have a relationship with God. God wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you as his friend. How do you pump, become a part of God's family? Look at Galatians 3, 26. You are all children of God through what? Faith. Faith in who? Christ Jesus. Look at First John. Look at John. Got the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse twelve. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become the children of God. Now let me explain it in very, very simple terms. Let's say this hand right here represents God. Let's say this hand represents you. So this hand represents God. This hand represents you. Let's say this hymn book right here represents the record book of your life. Here's your birth certificate. Here's your death certificate. And there's the complete record of your life. The good things and the bad things. The things you did that you shouldn't have done. Things you didn't do that you should have done. Thoughts. Attitudes everything. Now, folks, that's our problem because the Bible says what? All have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, God's standard is what? Perfection. Anyone perfect? Anyone without sin? Well, that's, our, that's your problem, the record book of your life. So, here you are, and here's that record book of life, and here's God, and that's what stands between you and God. That's that great gulf between you and God. Now, what did God do? He left heaven, and He came to this earth to become what? As we said, one of us, to become a man. To be able to die on the cross for the penalty of our sins. And what happened when Jesus died on the cross? Look at this now. Here you are, the record book of your life. When Jesus died on the cross, that was placed on Jesus. He took the punishment you deserved. He who knew no sin became sin on your behalf that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then when Jesus was buried, he buried your sin. Buried your sin. To be remembered no more. Buried in the deepest sea. And now, through faith in Jesus, you can be reconciled with God. Amen? And that is why... Man, I made a mess, didn't I? That is why... Jesus came to earth to die for the penalty of your sin, to rise again. As you've heard me share many, many times in the past, he didn't just die for the penalty of your sin. When he rose again, for those who put their faith in Christ, he imputes. He, he literally dumps into your account all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
So when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus, right? He doesn't see your imperfections. He doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. And that's why he can love you unconditionally. You know, I've I've shared this at different times from the pulpit. I'll never get over this. To me, this is the wonder of wonders of God's grace. I literally thank God for this every day. I have been saved since 1970. I have never gotten tired of this. It's, it's, It's never ceased to grip me. I mean, emotionally, every which way, intellectually, with my will to move me to serve him. And it's just simply this, that through Jesus Christ, I've been adopted into God's family. And that I'm God's child. And here's the wonder for me. That God loves me as much as he loves Jesus, his son. He values Andy Mary just as much as he values Jesus. He is just as committed to protect me, to provide for me, to glorify me, that I might finish the work that he's given me here on earth to do as he was committed to protect, provide, and glorify his son Jesus. Now, of course, you look at Jesus, that doesn't mean it's a life without trial and pain and suffering. Following Jesus will take you to a cross. But on the other side of the cross is always what? Resurrection. Life abundant. Life eternal. But I'll never get over that. I'll never get over that, that, to me, the wonder of the wonders of his grace that he loves and values me as much as he loves and values the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth. To erase the misconceptions about God, to express the love of God, and to enable us to have a relationship with God. And there's a fourth reason that I'd like to share with you before we close. Look at that fourth one. Jesus came to earth to empower us, to empower his followers, to fulfill the mission of God. To fulfill the mission of God. In John 17, verse 18, we read... Just as you sent me into the world. He's speaking to his father. He's praying. Just as you sent me into the world. And how did he, how did the father send him to become one of us? To die that humiliating death on the cross in order to reconcile us to God. He said, just as you sent me. He says, what? I am sending them into the world. I shared this with our widows and widowers. That first weekend in December when we had their luncheon, that Christmas is more than a holiday to be enjoyed. It is a life to be lived. And when you ask how do you live Christmas, the answer is found. You don't have to turn there, but Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. It's one of the greatest passages in the entire Bible about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, who although he was in the very form of God, he did not consider equality with God as something to selfishly cling on to. But he emptied himself of all of his rights of everything but love and taking upon himself the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, He humbled himself to the point of what? Death. Even death on a cross. But that truth of his incarnation is used to exhort believers to follow his example in going into the world to reach others as Jesus went into the world. Look there in your notes what this means. This is what it means to live Christmas. I'm to think about others with the mind of Christ. I'm to think about others with the mind of Christ. See, it's in that passage. He says, be humble. 
like Jesus was humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And of course, towards others. And not only am I to think about others with the mind of Christ, look at the next point. We're to look at others with the eyes of Christ. He says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Even as Jesus lay aside his welfare to seek our welfare through his death, burial, and resurrection. And then look at the next one. Embrace others with the arms of Christ, though he was God. He did not think equality with God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born a human being. And he was born a human being, as we shared earlier, to touch you, to embrace mankind, to get close, to get intimate through a relationship with him. So that I'm to love like that. Again, laying aside my rights and my privileges to embrace others conditionally in the love of Jesus Christ. And then look at the next point. Serve others with the heart of Christ. It says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. I'm to express that heart of sacrifice toward others. And then finally notice, I'm to proclaim to others the saving name of Christ. I'm to proclaim to others the saving name of Christ. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, to put this in very simple terms, as we follow our Lord, Like he was ruled by love, we're to be ruled by love. And it was that love that motivated him to leave heaven, to relocate his life, to minister to you and I. And it's his love that should motivate you and I to go, even if it's across the street to my neighbor, or to reach out to that person that I encounter through day-to-day activity who's in need. He may lead me to actually go into the mission field somewhere. But his love is always going to motivate you to take action, to move toward other people, to reach out to love other people, to share Jesus with them. His reconciling message that they might be restored in their relationship with God. And by the way, let me take this opportunity to emphasize, that is what the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is all about. And that's why I've shared with you, I have no apologies on strongly encouraging you to give, knowing that every penny is going to go to our missionaries to support their work, knowing that your gift will be used by God to see individuals come to know Jesus, have their lives changed and transformed, so that when we come to the end and we're there at the throne of Jesus, all tongues, natives, peoples, nations, They'll be part of that group because of our gifts, because of our going, because of our praying. And that's what it means to love as he loved and to go as he went. Father, we thank you that Jesus did come. Thank you that you were willing to send your son. Um, And thank you that through his death, burial, and erection, that we can be a part of your family, to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts. If there's any here that do not know you,
I pray that you have opened their eyes this morning to the infinite beauty, glory, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this very day, they would put their faith and trust in Jesus. What he did for them when he died on Calvary's cross and rose again to offer them forgiveness and new life. But then, Lord, I know most in this sanctuary are believers or followers. Father, drive into our hearts, capture us with the reality that we have been sent into this world even as Jesus was sent. That he started a mission that we're to finish. And that is to reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that would include my neighbors, my fellow workers, fellow students. But of course, looking even beyond our world to other worlds, to other peoples, to other nations. So Lord, all we know to do is to surrender our lives to you and that you would direct us in our going. You would direct us in our praying. You would direct us in our giving that we might see that mission accomplished. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As the invitation is extended today, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, oh, I would appeal to you, uh, embrace him today. Receive him today into your heart to forgive you of your sins, to take control of your life, that you might not find new life in him, but become a part of his family and have the assurance of eternal life. Um, If you're a believer, I trust this message has encouraged you uh, to further surrender your life to him to accomplish the mission that he's given all of us together to accomplish, and that is to reach a lost world. If you've been visiting and uh, God's leading you to become a part of this church family, we encourage you to come now. We'd like to get your face before our people so we can begin to love you and express our appreciation, and then we'll take you through that full process to, uh, to membership. So please stand as the invitation is extended, and I'll remain right here of anyone that has a decision of any nature Let's all respond to God's truth during this time of invitation.